Happy back to school, everybody. I've uh, been seeing all of the the little ones going back, and I'm sure no matter if you are, well, I mean, there's got to be still a few kids out there, maybe. I don't know how interesting a 200-plus episode podcast is to very younger children, but there's got to be some of you listening who are either heading back to high school or they're heading into university or college or whatever degree they're part of, potentially for the first time. So welcome back to school and welcome back to Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. And of course, Lucas, you're in a constant state of going back to school. It's true. Uh, Work's busy again. I work at a university, so uh, lots of hustle and bustle today as the students return to campus. Yep, and uh, the I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the weather to get a little bit a little bit cooler, just because it's been a little bit close. It's not ideal gaming weather. We were talking before we started uh, recording here that we both have a video game that is taking up a lot of our time and thought, and it's just not the type of weather where you want to be sitting for a long time and looking at a screen. Uh, so <laughs> I'm a little bit. A little bit sweaty today. Yeah, it's humid. It's that weird. It's funny because I also nobody cares. Local weather chat. You know, <laughs> you know what they say about uh, Nova Scotia weather. You don't like it. Wait five minutes. Yesterday was like the best weather of the year, in my opinion. Like it was mm. like literally the nicest day of the whole year, where it was sunny, but it wasn't too hot. Um, and then today, it's just a muggy and still kind of gross. Well, I think that is actually a pretty decent segue into the fact that depending on when you're listening to this, you can still be a help or we want to thank you for your help. So patrons, if you are listening to this before Sunday, the end of Sunday, September 10th, remember that you can still vote for us as the best podcast in Halifax at vote.thecoast.ca. If you have done so already, hey, we really appreciate you taking the time to do that. If you haven't yet, go to vote.thecoast.ca. Now, you will have to sign up and probably with a Canadian postal code there, so make sure that you do that and vote for us in the arts and entertainment category as best podcast. If you are listening on the free feed, the time has already passed. So, if again, if you have taken the time to vote for us, Thank you very, very much. We really appreciate that you did that. And now we just have to wait for a couple months until we find out exactly what's going to happen this year. I'm waiting. I, for one, am waiting with bated breath. I Every year, every year, I, I don't have the data for this, but every year <laughs> it, vibes, feels like, it feels like we get a little closer. And I'd like to believe that that's true. And, I, and you know, we just keep... We keep bringing in, we keep bringing in more listeners, hearing from you, and it would be nice to get on the board before it's all said and done. So we will have to wait and see. And speaking of people who have voted for us, that includes you listeners who we like to hear from at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, which is where you can send in your emails. We just have a quick one here from a newer listener named Pav who says, hey guys, thanks for answering my Hogan question, referring to a question about Hulk Hogan from a couple of episodes ago. This email is about that singing moose. Am I the only one that finds him so annoying? I've never disliked a character in Arthur, but there's something about him I just can't stand. I watched that episode over a decade ago, and years later, if I watch it again, he just annoys me so much. Something about him. Thanks again from Birmingham, UK. So that's from Pav. So we're talking about the singing moose in the premiere episode of season two of Arthur, which is played by Art Garfunkel. So uh, right out the gate, Pav, maybe Simon and Garfunkel isn't for you, if 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 you feel so strongly about that. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, opinions are like something else; everyone has them. Uh, I'm gonna have to disagree with the listener here. Now, first of all, I guess he is only referred to in the episode as quote the singing moose. Um, but I've always actually thought of him as Art Garfunkel. Like it's Art. Like um, it's similar to how Mister Rogers, when he's in Arthur, or uh, Matt Damon when they're in Arthur, they're they are just themselves. Uh, and I just assumed that the kids didn't know who Art Garfunkel was, so he wasn't, you know. And also, doesn't he show up again at some point, like in an audience, and they're like, "And it's Art Garfunkel." Um, they've they've used they've used his character model again a couple of yeah. times. But I, not necessarily, like, as... Like, he just kind of lives there. Uh, my homework for the listener is to go listen to The Waters of March and let me know if they like that song or not, and maybe it'll change their opinion 
on the singing moose because I personally am a big fan. I would say that we've talked about this before of all the celebrity guest spots. That's amongst my favorite or at least the most memorable to me. It's interesting. I've never really had an opinion about his voice one way or another. I could see how that particular tone of voice could be annoying to somebody, but it isn't really to me. It's just very nostalgic, I guess, for when I was younger. But, of course, many, many opinions out there, and we love hearing yours at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We also love to hear from our patrons. That could be on the ECL Discord, or it could be on Patreon.com itself, which is where people are signing up to support us. And we want to thank you for that, especially by name. We want to thank people like Ian Collis and John Griswold. Thank you to Kevin Noon and Jake Bailey. Thank you to Muppet Baby Cat and Revved. Thank you to Valeria. Thank you to Sydney Long and to Aurora Borealis. Thank you, Ricardo A. Soto. And thank you to Emma. Thank you very much to Chloe and Cecil Robinson. Thank you to Hay Strouder and Quantum Wave. And thank you as well to Emily Kay and Anne Perry. And of course, you can sign up patreon.com slash Limits. We just came out with our latest episode of ECL Origins. It's part two of our mainframe entertainment two-parter. First, we talked about Reboot. In this one, we're talking about Beast Wars. So if you love Transformers, if you love Beast Wars check out that podcast. We had a lot of fun recording it. But it's time to get back to Arthur. Today we are talking about Best Wishes, which is a George episode. And he is starting us off right away. And speaking of wishes, Lucas, this is seemingly George's greatest wish to open the show. Hasn't he opened the show before? I want to say yes. It's just that Arthur, we've been watching this for so long. It's got to have happened once, right? I'm, I'm starting to think, like, I'm like who hasn't opened the show? I want to mm. see Mr. Haney be like, being the principal is really rough. Definitely want to see more of Mr. Haney. I want Oliver Frensky, like, all, all, the, all the heavy Oliver hitters. Oliver Frensky, yeah, working in waste management has always been trouble. Woke up this morning. That, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else do I want to see open the show? You want to you want to see Oliver Frensky in The Sopranos, which is yes. going to be really really difficult to do. But I appreciate. Who that. else have have we definitely not seen address the camera? I mean, a lot a lot of the adult characters. Yeah, in fairness, we, I guess since we're adults, we always want to see more from the adults in the kids show because we relate to them a little bit more. Okay, yeah, let me true. think of the kids characters who hasn't opened the show. Maybe. Like, like this is all like this is this is a guess just because I'm sure I'm not thinking of some off the top of my head. Has Sue Ellen done it before? Hmm. See, I feel like we've watched so many episodes. I feel like she has, but I don't know. Like it's got like gotta be. Gotta I'm only be. asking into the air. I know you don't know, but hopefully, mm. you know our listeners they don't. Uh, nothing gets by them. No, uh, of so course. Someone can let us know. Has I, I, I can swear that George has opened the show before, but now that Sue Ellen, I feel like she has as well. Anyway, moving on. So this cold open is George, who is stumbling through doing the doing the cold open in front of an audience, which is rare for Arthur or anybody, but he has to do it basically as a presentation. He's got index cards. Arthur briefly in- interrupts him to make sure that the sound is correct, and... George's whole thing is about wishes and if they would be so great if they came true. And we see multiple instances of George doing different types of wishes to uh, open the show. He says, I wish I could open the show. So he wishes on a candle, a birthday candle. He wishes on a shooting star. He blows an eyelash off his finger and he does get his wish. Um, But is it so great if it came true? The only thing I wanted to note here is that the gag with George blowing out his birthday candles is that he gets almost all of them, but then he misses one, so Wally blows it out. Now, with with ventriloquist dummies, you throw your voice, which makes it sound like it's coming from the dummy. Is it possible to throw your breath? Oh, good point. Let that me look at like... what angle he's holding Wally. Wally is close enough to him... That I think George is still technically blowing it. George does not stop. Wait, let me look at this angle again. This is like this is a Bruder film. <laughs> no, George does not open his mouth. So air does come from the dummy. So this is like th- 
This is like a Dungeons and Dragons monk feat. I, I thought having... you were asking, does it still does the wish still count? Which I'm firmly on the side of no, given mm. that uh, Wally is a separate character. Oh, and um, we do who, we do talk that? about this later in the episode. Oh, interesting, interesting. Because I was gonna say, who's that? Um, you know, this is a dated comedian. The dated comedian with all the racist puppets. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, not Jeff. Jeff it's Jeff something. Um. Oh, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Uh, see, <laughs> I don't remember his up, name, I, you're but I remember the name of the puppet. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Dunham. Jeff, Just Dunham. Dun- Jeff Dunham. So the whole point of Jeff Dunham was he wasn't saying the horrible things. His puppet was. <laughs> so it's like, that's how you get away with it, is that you are not culpable for the actions of the puppet. Um, Fool, foolproof, honestly. Exactly, foolproof. exactly. Legally foolproof. In the new Saw movie, they'll be like, he never killed anybody. It was the puppet. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I guess that kind of is the plot of Saw as is. Um, the point most is people, being... Most people are so ungrateful for the puppets in <laughs> they have in life. The, the point being that uh, I do not believe the wish transfers. Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I will bring that up in addition later on in this episode. So... It is all about wishes, and we see a lot of ways to make a wish, and I have to commend the writers here for... They never repeat uh, a way to make a wish come true uh, from a child's point of view. So this starts off with Binky, Buster, and Francine. They are looking to make a wish on the first snowflake. So if you see the first snowflake of the year, you get to make a wish. And they don't see it, uh, and they want to wish for more snow. That's what they want to do. But George sees it, and he makes a wish, and the wish comes true. He presumably also asked for more snow, and they make this wish before class, after class, it comes true, which I had not heard of this first snowflake thing. When they're talking about wishes coming true, and they look out for a snowflake, they see, like, a piece of plastic instead, Binky has a very, like, adult kind of crushing line. He says, it's all a bunch of nonsense anyway. Wishes never come true. And it's like, man, you're you're eight. You can't be this broken already. <laughs> I liked uh, Binky as the rationalist. Um, mm. Now, you know, if we wanted to look at this at a deeper meaning, yes. um, one of the things we've always talked about is Arthur representing different socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Binky's parents are a little bit less middle class than George's. We get a great shot of George's uh, house later on in this episode, and he lives in this nice mid-century modern kind of ranch, which is actually nicer than Arthur's house, in my personal opinion. Anyway, uh, Binky, if I remember correctly, you know, he still lives in a house. He's not living in an apartment like Buster or Francine, but I feel like his parents aren't, you know, aren't doing as well as for, say, Arthur. So perhaps, you know, his opinions about wishes is informed by his upbringing. And, you know, some of Binky's wishes. Binky probably at some point wished to pass third grade. Oh. And that wish did not come true, right? So Binky is a victim of his circumstance. This is why he is, again, Binky the rationalist. I I thought it was an inspired choice to pick as the kid to be the skeptic. You know, they could have just taken the easy way out and been like, oh, brain's going to be like, statistically, wishes, blah, 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 blah. Instead, uh, I like Binky, uh, Binky being in this position. No brain to be seen. In fact, we put a lot of stock into wishes in a way that I think might seem familiar. So this wish comes comes true. Then Binky Buster, Francine, and George, that's the main four of this episode, they make a wish by uh, with dandelions. Not the yellow kind, but the, uh, the kind with the white little petals on them. Uh, so by blowing all of the petals off of it, you make a wish. And George does this, and his wish comes true. Now, the kids think that he wished for snow, but George actually wished for cupcakes, which, great. Like, they're all just like, cupcakes? Why would you do that? And I'm like, why wouldn't you wish for cupcakes? Go for broke. Um, and they round the corner, and they come across the opening of a new store called Rudolph Stumblemeyer's Cupcake Extravaganza, featuring a cupcake giveaway. So George's wish came true again. It's, it's, it's funny, there's a couple of instances here where... I kind of call my shot. Very early on, I got the episode image uh, for this, and we'll get into that in a second. And I saw this guy, and I'm like, well, there's throwaway character of the week, but I don't think that is. Am I correct? <laughs> well, 
we'll get to we'll cross that bridge. Let's just say there's some characters we got to talk about this week. Mm. Uh, whether or not they'll be throwaway remains to be seen. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we continue on with George now is on a bit of a hot streak. Uh, the kids are talking about it at lunch the next day with Muffy, and they're explaining it. There's a there's a funny visual gag I liked with Muffy where she has her tray of food. As she's talking, and she doesn't really pay attention to this, she kind of l- picks up her bun, like, and it's just one of those typical cartoon buns, like, kind of frowns at it and then throws it away, <laughs> which I thought was so wasteful, a really funny way to use use her for visual humor. But the kids say that George has wish mojo and they make the w hand sign so with the two thumbs going out like that wish mojo and so everybody wants george to make a wish for them he's in suddenly incredibly popular yeah baby <laughs> um i liked the little uh audio sting there's like a chorus uh when they talk about his wish mojo that mm-hmm. really puts the emphasis on it great Mwah. Props to the writers here. Uh, amazing turn of phrase, Wish Mojo. Welcome to wishmojo.com. Oh and no, today you we're counting it. down the you top ten it. ways to make a wish. See, you think it says a lot about the two of us that your mind immediately goes to watchmojo.com. My mind immediately goes to Austin Powers. I liked I I I, I liked yours, but man, I haven't, I haven't watched Watch Mojo in a long time. Thankfully. So they want to keep George's wishing power to themselves. Uh, Again, this wish mojo. But he is asked to make a wish for Jenna's birthday. And this time it has to be for a big snow. A snow that's big enough to cancel school the whole nine yards. And this is where I got the feeling. To bring this up again, we've talked about this, it feels like, for the past several episodes. that That... around the point where we are in Arthur, they're getting more comfortable with remixing ideas of episodes. Now, they're not full remakes, unless in the cases where they are, they actually are remakes in those rare cases, but they take the idea of an older episode and then they give it to a different character. At this point, with George being super-duper popular, everybody wanting him to make a wish, this feels like a remix of the Magic Pencil episode. Mm. And the, the magic pencil, pencil the the lucky pencil. That's like episode three of Arthur, isn't it? It's in the second season, but it's oh, okay. still again very relatively early in the show's lifespan. So they're taking from much much earlier in the show, and again they're doing it enough where it's like it's a different character. It's almost a different idea. It's just the thematically quite similar. So it's like that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But I it also kind of sure goes a different place too, right? The Lucky Pencil was all about how the pencil was a finite resource. As they started to use yes. it, you know, his his luck was starting to get used up. Where, as as far as we know, George is just his luck doesn't run out. Well, could be, could be, and George is very much not used to the attention, and it's getting to him a little bit. Now, I wanted to make a note here. I always have the Arthur Wiki open when I'm watching an episode now, and the Arthur... This this is a direct quote from the Arthur Wiki, since we're talking about George making a wish for Jenna's birthday. The first time Jenna has been spoken to, referenced, or mentioned since season 15. So, for like two and a half years... Not not a lot going on for Jenna, unfortunately. So, like I said, this is all getting to George. That night, he has a dream. He dreams that he is the king of a kingdom made of ice. And he has these penguin subjects. Now, this reminds me of two things. Do you, I wonder if you might be able to pick up what this visually reminds me of. Does anything come to mind when it's like kingdom of ice, penguin subjects... Oh, I see. I see. You're thinking of Adventure Time. That's yeah. That's one of the things I'm thinking of. But what about something that you and I uh, watched recently? Us both together, we watched this. Not to, with not together, but like around the same time. We even talked about it here on the show. Penguin Kingdom it's, of Ice Penguin Subjects. It's a smaller part of the movie that we both watched. Give me a second here. It was a movie we both watched. Mm-hmm. And there was penguins. I don't. I, I'm drawing a blank here, Will. Well, it seems that you weren't paying attention to the first five minutes of the Super Mario Brothers movie. 
Oh, true. See, that's fresh in your minds. It goes, it's funny, my main criticism, okay, pocket Super Mario Bros. movie talk right now. <laughs> Again. Uh, my main criticism of the film is that, you know, it was really fun to point at the screen and be like, I remember that from that video game. But the second the movie was over, I, I feel like I got like men in black memory wiped <laughs> and absolutely nothing from that movie retained by the, except for the fact that they made Donkey Kong's dad kind of talk like he was uh, Larry David and what else stuck in my head? I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> oh, and the fact that I look like Mario's uncle. That was of the course. Other two, those are the only two things I really retained from that movie. From the from the most the most uh, money making animated movie of all time. There you go. You can't buy cultural impact. It seems. Anyway, it's just wanted to bring up those visual similarities. And yes, the Ice King from Adventure Time was the other thing I was thinking of. So in this dream. Again, another way to wish. They have this giant wishbone that they artificially saw off so that George can make a big wish, but it doesn't work, and then the penguins begin to revolt on him. So George is worried that if he makes this big wish and it doesn't come true, then he won't have this popularity or he won't have his friends anymore. It's a it's a bit it, it's a bit of a softer consequence or uh, risk, I suppose, than some time, than some other ones. At Jenna's birthday. They're getting ready for George to do the wish. He's going to blow out the birthday candles and do it here. But Prunella, who I was very, I was happy to see. It's like, it's weird to say that we've come this far. I was glad to see Prunella. She stops George from wishing on Jenna's cake because apparently that's bad luck, which I fully believe hadn't heard of before. Um, And nobody has ever heard of the, uh, she has a kind of a, a, a phrase she uses uh, snuff the candle on another's cake. Endless misery ye shall wake, I believe is what she says. Mm. Uh, which none of the other kids seem to have ever heard before either. It seems that she made it up. But uh, still, the sentiment rings true. And and then this brings us to your theory from the, from the cold open. So does that mean George has bad luck because Wally blew out the last candle? Does Wally count as a different person? Uh, or is he an extension of the same person? Wow. And what is bad luck? Like, is it bad luck to be lucky and then everybody's fawning over you, but then there's not enough room for the real George? And then, you know, your luck runs out and being lucky first makes the luck running out that much more unlucky. Mm. Who are we to say, Will? We're dealing in forces that we do not understand. Absolutely we are. Uh, so George can't make this wish, but then they find a second way to do it. It's, it's it's winter time at this point, so they throw a coin onto a frozen pond, which apparently works the same as if you put throw a coin into a normal, a non-frozen pond. And a little bit of drama here, but it does stay on the fountain so they can make a wish. George seems to wish for snow, and then the wish comes true. They get a huge snowstorm, school's canceled, it's all good. But at the end... George admits to Buster he didn't wish for snow. So this just happened, as he says, because it's winter. And he actually wished for a great rest of the year. That's... That's that's just, that's <laughs> basically it. The one other thing I wanted to say is that you can see when George wakes up to the snow day that he has one of those... Do you know what I mean when I say the iPod charger clock radio? Uh, oh, wait, wait, let me see. I actually, I didn't notice this. So when he, when he wakes up, it's got like, it, it, it looks, it's, it's like a clock radio that has like an iPod docking station. <laughs> okay. Like an iPod nano docking station. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing this. Wow. What a throwback. Like one of those, one of those Dude, like off market ones, you know, one Gen of those cheapo Alpha, ones. Gen Alpha is going to be like, I found my grandpa's iPod Nano docking station. Isn't this crazy? Not, Catch. Yeah, not much to that. <laughs> so He's also got a baseball bat by his door for home defense. Oh, classic. <laughs> but 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 we know that he's not a good baseball player, so what's he going to do with all that? That's that's what I'm saying. It's for if, if, if someone makes the mistake of coming into George's crib, Castle Doctrine, we don't know <laughs> what state what state Elwood City's in. Maybe it's in Florida after all. <laughs> For when, the pur- for when the purge happens in the Arthur universe. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. 
This time, instead of a grade school, as we do sometimes, we go to a summer camp. This is the Arlington Center for the Arts Summer Camp. Uh, Elena is the one who gets a name. And basically, at camp, they declare a snow day in summer, which means that they are creating snowmen, snowballs, snow angels, all that stuff out of everyday household items. Um, it's pretty much exactly what that is. I will say, though, because this is a a summer camp at the Center for the Arts, I noticed that a lot of the kids feel a lot more camera-ready than yes. some of the kids that we get in, um, in, in like, your typical grade school. I wrote this down as well. You know, there's more of a curated bunch of kids here, and mm-hmm. these are a, a theatrical bunch. Um, I'll also say that the guy leading the summer camp was incredibly enthusiastic as well. Like, he really sold, we're going to make snow-themed arts and crafts on this sunny summer day as we're bringing... It's summer, it's, it's 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 Christmas in July. Like, he really brought an enthusiasm for this pretty mundane uh, camp activity. Uh, so it was a, a little bit infectious. Yeah, and it uh, also, he, I think this is just going to keep happening the longer we do this. He looked quite a bit younger than me. I remember, <laughs> when, I remember when camp counselors were older than me, and that doesn't happen anymore. Hi, everybody, it's Lucas. Your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. And now, back to Arthur! So, we had a brief reappearance from Prunella, who I feel like we haven't seen in a while. And then she gets her whole episode... Because the second half of this one is the Tardy Tumblr, which involves several of the girls from, well, not just Arthur's grade. There's, uh, we, we, who have we got here? We've got Sue Ellen. We've got Molly. We've got a couple of randos. We've got Jenna. And we've got Marina, who is also making her return. They're taking a gymnastics course from new character here, potentially. We may, I wonder if we'll see him again. Coach Bello, Boris Belinsky. Or Bello, who is the stereotypical Russian gymnastics coach. So, Boris, is it Bolinsky or Polinsky? I I, I I heard Bolinsky. Bolinsky. He just calls himself Bello, though. That's that's how his uh, recorded album, which we'll talk about in a second, <laughs> uh, is credited to as Bello. Um. Remains to be seen. I don't know if we can call this guy throwaway character of the week because he's such a huge part of this episode and he gets um, such a big introduction. Oh wait, do you have you done some research? Yes, this 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 is it. Like he, he has like a what? cameo appearance later, but this is it. He's a one he's a one episode character. Wow. Well, my goodness, this might be the throwaway character of the week of all throwaway characters of the week. Cause, you know, if Dr. Fugue 
can come back for multiple different episodes. You know, I was all ready for... I can't wait for Bello to show up again. Uh, wow, I can't believe this is the only time I would have savored this episode of Bore Will had I known that this was the only time I was going to spend with uh, Boris because um, he's not the type of Arthur character we usually get. <laughs> it's been a while, you know, with all this talk of French stereotypes on Arthur, uh, we've never seen a Russian stereotype before, and I personally was enjoying it. No, and it's very much like a Simpsons character. It's basically just an accent. Now, I will say that it's this this the Russian Olympic gymnastics trainer is very much a trope now, but it is meant to be a specific parody of a real Olympic gymnastics trainer named Bella Caroli, who uh was the trainer for Olympian Olympic athletes such as Nadia Comaneci. I do also want to shout out here, I love the voice here for Coach Bello. His voice by an actor named Damon Papadopoulos. And for all you bluey heads out there, he voices the character Goopy. So, <laughs> I don't know who that is, but... I it- know, I know we got some bluey heads listening right now. Listen, if you a bluey head, uh, put your paws up. Because <laughs> I know we got some bluey fans. One of these days, Will, we gotta talk about bluey. We gotta watch an episode of Bluey. My sister loves that show. Yeah, maybe that'll maybe that'll be something. It's funny because it's not a PBS show, so it doesn't fit into for no. the kids a PBS Kids podcast. And it's neither also, of us have watched it. <laughs> no, neither of us have watched it, and neither of us watched it growing up. So it yeah. also kind of doesn't fit into ECL Origins. But maybe maybe something will <laughs> maybe something will come down the line. We'll, we'll make a, 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 a special third podcast called <laughs> ACL Down Under. <laughs> we just watch an episode of Bluey, and then it never comes back. Write that down for April next year. G'day, it's ECL Down Under. I am writing down ECL Down Under. Bluey, we gotta go see Goopy. It's, like, it's, just, it's just noises. It's just, just like noise. a boomerang, it's not gonna come back till next year. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so as I said before, um, <laughs> Marina is back, and she is taking this gymnastics gymnastics class. Prunella is accompanying her as an aide, so just letting her know when to go and do her tumbling routine. Uh, Marita, if, Marina, if you don't remember, is Prunella's very good friend, and she's blind. Uh, Marina has been taking gymnastics from a young age, she says, and she wants to be chosen as part of Coach Bellow's uh, squad because she's talented, not because someone feels sorry for her. So very much appreciate that. As Marina does her thing, Prunella is she's not even dressed for it. She's like brought a book with her. But Coach Bellow instructs her to do her own routine. And like she's like, OK, so she does some more le- slower paced uh, handstands and stuff like that because she is a yoga practitioner. She's a yogi. So she does a bit of that and Coach Bello ends up picking her along with Marina. Uh, we also get the, I'm using quotes here, debut of two background characters, these girls named Katie and Carol, who I strongly doubt we'll ever see again. In fact, I'm surprised they got named So the episode itself has to do with Prunella and Marina both on this training team with Coach Bello. So Prunella begins her training with the coach, but she is late for their first session. She and Marina carpool there, so they're late, and they're under a three-strike rule. Um, As you mentioned, Lucas, Coach Bello... He's, you know, got this blonde hair, blonde mustache, and he he talk he talks like this. I am Coach Bello, and you know the very stereotypical Russian accent, and he gives Prunella a CD version of his audiobook of his autobiography, The Tiger of the Tundra. So this guy, as you said, is a recording artist. Yes, spoken the Grammy for spoken word. I wonder if uh, Tiger of the Tundra made a blip that year. Uh, this was, you know, a very screen-grabbable part of the episode. I recommend you guys look at this cover art. Funny stuff. <laughs> he is very much of, it's like you're either a tiger or you're a mouse in terms of how you present yourself and how you uh, go about pursuing your passion. That's a big part of his uh, training ideology. So, late for the first session, three strikes and you're out rule. Prunella 
is not is not as into it. She has a bit of talent, but she's just not as into it. Marina is fully into this, and she's quite talented because she's been doing gymnastics for a long time. There's a dream that Prunella has after her first class where she dreams of being a complete natural thanks to her yoga skills. So we see Francine and Buster who are doing commentary at this gymnastics meet. Prunella is effortlessly going through all of the different um, accoutrement of the uh, typical gymnastics meet. I do want to note here, so Coach Bello is a parody of Bella Caroli. Uh, Nadia Comaneci is the Olympian that the real person coached. And we get a joke here. Coach Bello says his best student was Nadia, come in, I'm glad to meet you. But he says it with a Russian accent. And wow. it's, it's like, I didn't even, uh, it sounded like gibberish. And then I went to the Arthur Wiki and it's, Come in, I'm glad to meet you. I good. Uh, <laughs> wow, I can't even groan at that. That's yeah, crazy. it's like su- it's a bit sub groan. What is the? Uh, I'm trying to. That's like on the level of what is the villain in Goldeneye's name? Um, uh, Goldeneye. Me, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm looking this Trevelyan? up really quick. Double O Six. No, no, no. The girl, the the femme fatale. Oh, Zenya, Zenya on a top. Yes, Zenya on a top. And many other Bond, punny Bond names. So Marina is training very hard, but Prunella is not taking it as seriously, and this ends up causing a bit of a rift between them. While they're there, Marina, her big fear with gymnastics is the uneven bars, because that's the one where you have to jump up and grab the bar, then kind of push yourself around on it. And she is afraid that if she jumps for it and it's not there, then she might get hurt or she won't grab it and it'll be embarrassing. And she's taking it very, very seriously. She's practicing all the time on her off time, whereas Prunella is not. Now, we had a big thing about this a couple of episodes ago. I'll just quickly say that we get a couple of mentions of Henry Screever here because instead of uh, doing her gymnastics practice, Prunella instead goes to a movie screening of Henry Screever and the Giblets of Jeopardy at Muffy's Place, which she advertises as being in gastrovision, which is that when there is a piece of food that they are eating in the movie, they are eating it in real life. It's a cool idea. You, There are some great movies you could do that with. It's true, and there's especially a lot of movies that focus on food, but I feel like there's a lot of movies where this would be really like disgusting. Uh, including the ones that like they watch, I, I I find the concept a little bit repulsive. Especially, okay. you know, in movies, actors don't actually eat the food that they're eating because they have to do the same take over and over mm-hmm. again, and it would be like gorging themselves. I That's feel like true. if you were to eat everything that appears on screen in most movies, you know, you'd be so stuffed f- fitting like four, like all those meals in the span. Like imagine if you were watching Goodfellas, you know, all that food Ooh. looks great. But think about how many meals they have before, you know, the two and a half hours is up. You'd have to do it like a several course meal and have just like very small portions. Now, as you say, with Goodfellas, you're getting a lot of you're getting a lot of spaghetti. You're getting a lot of Italian in one day. So you got to you got to make sure you're ready for that. Uh, If you did it with something for some reason, the first thing I thought of was like if you you could do this with something like another round with Mads Mikkelsen or um, sideways, where they're drinking wine a lot, so you. Could, oh my God! You'd get hammered. Yes, and you'd have to be very, very careful. But again, like <laughs> yeah, you, could, you, you do could, it you with nineteen eighty four is under the volcano, and you almost drink yourself to death. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, you, very careful. If you at home want to participate in gastrovision, be very, very careful and pick your movie wisely, so that you're not completely like, geez. If you try to do this with, like, Lord of the Rings or something, there's so much different food in there. By the time you get to the Cherry Tomatoes and Return of the King, you'll be fit to burst. They're doing this. Prunella's stuffing herself. Marina is training very hard. Muffy offers a double feature with the next movie in line, Henry Screever and the Gremlins Gallstone, but Prunella has to beg off. And they're late to the next practice because Prunella's so full that she overslept again, and she and Marina argue a bit in the car. (laughs) Marina... (laughs) is I, I really appreciate getting to know a bit more about her and the stuff she likes beyond, like, reading and Henry Screever and that sort of thing. And she has a funny line. I think it was more that the delivery struck me as a little wooden, but also I don't know how you deliver this kind of line without tripping over a little bit, where uh, Marina says, you need to get out of this car. Wow, savage. 
burn. Add that to the Arthur Savage moments compilation. <laughs> so they are on the outs at this point, Prunella and Marina. And Coach Bello talks with Prunella because she's he 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 knows that this is not her passion. This is not something that she's into, especially to the degree that Marina does. So he encourages her to find her passion. Now, the reason that Prunella stuck around was to be an aide to Emily. Uh, but Coach Bello knows that Marina is blind. Um, he says, Bello knows all, sees all, and her mother called me. I, I know. It, he he does. This is one of my lines of the episode. I don't know why this like tickled me, but referring to someone as, maybe you don't have a passion for gymnastics like your blind friend. Uh, and... I feel like this would be more mean-spirited if he remembered any of the girls' names. But, for instance, he never calls Prunella Prunella the entire episode. He calls her Yoga Girl. Right. Uh, so it's a little bit less mean-spirited. But referring to someone as your blind friend is pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, not exactly uh, the most <laughs> sensitive guy. But then again, these... He gets the, results. These, these, yeah, he's not exactly known for his sensitivity, I don't think. So encourages her to find her passion. Be a when when you find that passion, be a tiger instead of a mouse. So Prunella quits gymnastics. She's very happy to do so, but she does have a dream of herself as a little mouse. Especially as Marina becomes very accomplished in gymna in gymnastics, and Prunella has not followed her passion in the same way. Uh, literally imagining herself as a tiny, not a mouse person, but like a mouse. So the next day, Prunella is woken up early again, even though she doesn't have to be, because there's a traffic jam outside her house. And somebody's car is broken down. Was it Mar was it Marina's mother's car that broke down specifically? What matters is that there is a huge traffic jam, and Marina is going to be late again, uh, traveling by herself. And that would mean three strikes, she's out. But this Prunella... car, I'm looking at Marina's mother's car. Sorry, yeah. car corner. No, go for this it. This is a really weird car. Like, it doesn't... It's funny. I wouldn't have noticed this if uh, yeah I hadn't gone back to look. But I was like, let's check out what's what's Bria's mom's wheels. So the back, it's it's a it's a five door you know hatchback. Okay, mm -hmm. but it's um well it, it it you'd think it would be a five door hatchback, except despite having like a wagon back, it's uh, not a sedan. It's a two door. Um, hmm. So it's like a coupe. It's like a hatch coupe. But it's got that, that weird, like, long wagon back like a Volvo. Really strange-looking vehicle, now that I, like, really pause it. One of those <laughs> things where it's, like, characters being drawn with, you know, five, four fingers or something. Like, in animation, it makes sense. But in real life, that car would look really crazy. My attention was successfully diverted, so I didn't even <laughs> notice this. But now I have to go back and check it. Um, so Pernella finds her passion in that moment, which she doesn't say outright. So you could interpret this the way you like to, but her passion is to help involves helping Marina get to gymnastics on time. We've used it the, the verb, the adjective Ferris Bueller and the verb Ferris Bueller is thrown around a lot in this podcast, but this is literally like that end scene from Ferris Bueller of him running through the backyards. Prunella and Marina, Prunella is guiding her as they run and they're going through different backyards as a shortcut to the gymnasium. So they're running and jumping through people's backyards. They just need a scene where like Prunella runs through somebody's house or like jumps on a trampoline and very, very, very Ferris Bueller. They're almost there, but there is a fence in the way. Prunella scales a tree and acts as Marina's uneven bar and encourages her to do it. And that helps Marina get over her fear. And there's a transition as Marina grabs Prunella's hand we see her in the gymnasium grab the uneven bar. And it turns out Coach Bello was also uh, stuck in the traffic jam. So when he gets there, Marina has already conquered her fear. And she, both she and Prunella, in their own way, have become a tiger and embraced their passion. Which, I don't. again, I don't believe that Prunella explicitly says what her passion is, but you, you, can, you can kind of figure it out. So, yeah, that's... Uh, uh, we again, we we're making the most of some of our quote unquote secondary characters by making a story about George and a story about Prunella. Um, Lucas, when it came to best wishes, it felt like our discussion of it sputtered out a little bit. Does that translate to the episode overall for you? I 
actually kind of enjoyed Best Witches. Like, it's not, you know, the most remarkable Arthur episode, um, but I have quite a few notes for it. Like, there's a lot of things that really stuck out in my okay. head. Um, I, I, I thought it was fairly funny. I love Wish Mojo. I thought the Ice Palace was pretty inspired. It was really weird. Um, you know, Buster in his big Ice Jester costume. Um, the the ominous, uh, uh, you know, playing with the fates. Uh, something about wishes, Will, always feels like there's a darkness on the other end. Like, we're lucky George didn't win some sort of car combat competition and then met Calypso, you know what I mean? Um, but... <laughs> what a pull. Oh, my God. <laughs> he would have, like, turned him into a dummy or something. Who knows? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those ones where I really like talking about it more than I liked the episode itself, but I enjoyed myself with best wishes. Best wishes certainly like by the time it was over, it was like, all right, well that happened, but it's, I don't feel negatively about it. I think it's a very light watch. So it's, it's just a very pleasant one to put on. There's not a whole lot of consequences or like, uh, oh, it's like, oh no, what's going to happen. It's just like, no, this is, it's just kind of nice. Uh, I again, I appreciated the creativity in terms of finding all of the different ways that somebody could make a wish, and they barely repeated any. Uh, and yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's perfectly fine. I just don't end up having a whole lot to say about it. I am a bit more uh, appreciative of the Tardy Tumbler. Again, it's weird for me to be in the position to be like, oh great, a Prunella episode, but it provides a lot of variety, especially an episode. After we did the double, the D double dose of DW and Bud of just like okay great let's get some new characters in here it means that um, I don't know if you noticed Arthur wasn't in either of these stories at all but mixing it up here getting Marina back always appreciate her and Prunella being at the forefront of stories and I liked this idea of introducing the idea of finding one's passion and that it doesn't have to necessarily be the same thing that your friends are interested in. There are, you know, a couple of different things that you can take from this, especially because eventually Prunella does find her passion, uh, seemingly, if you can interpret it, in helping her friends, or just friendship in general. But I liked introducing the idea to a younger audience of finding your passion, which is something that many of us think about and struggle with for a lot of our lives. So... I thought that was a really cool way to do it. Bello is a very memorable character, even if he won't be around again. Uh, it's a, it's a, I, I wanted to note that Damon Papadopoulos was the VA for this because I think he did a really uh, fun job. I think he had a great voice for it, and I'm just really, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased, I'm pleased I, uh, at how this episode turned out, and I'm also pleased that I'm at the point where I'm looking forward to stories involving Prunella and that Marina is still is still around. And we haven't forgotten about her. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with the Tardy Tumblr as well. If nothing else for, again, being a really creative and original episode. Um, as much as, you know, they're not just ripping off themselves with some of these episodes that have echoes of old Arthur concepts. But one of the things I've always appreciated about Arthur is how uh, unique and creative it can be and how it can show me something I had not necessarily seen before and a parody of a Russian um, <laughs> gymnastics coach is exactly what the doctor ordered. So <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised with this episode. Justice for Bello. We got to start a letter writing campaign for him to make an appearance in one of those Arthur PSAs or the Arthur podcast or something because I can't believe this is his only appearance. Um, and I've always talked about it's the one that flew over the cuckoo's nest ending, you know? It's the ending where uh, a character, you know, personally fails, but they inspire another character to succeed, and that always um, kind of rises some some passionate feelings in my heart, so I liked the way it wrapped up as well. Yeah, I think this is just a pleasant episode of Arthur. Certainly nothing game-changing, but nothing terribly annoying. Just Just very nice to kind of sit back and watch, which is what we're all about here. Thank you for joining us for Elwood City Limits, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Now, I do want to say um, there's going to be a little bit of a, a change up to the schedule as we get deeper into September, which means that we're going to have some guest voices on the show. And we are also going to... So we had ECL Origins come out technically on the first day of September uh, this month. And so we're going to delay... 
the next episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, to the beginning of October, so that Lucas can be here for it as well. Uh, I'm going to do a bigger Patreon update to keep everybody informed, but I'm very excited for the guests that we're going to have on this show near the end of the month. And I'm also excited to double up on For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, because we did two episodes of ECL Origins, both back-to-back, and now we're going to do two episodes of For the Kids back-to-back. And I think when we come back to that in October, we're going to be talking about... we're going. I'm going through all of the ones that were suggested multiple times, and this one was suggested multiple times. I'm interested to know more about Angelina Ballerina. So we're going to talk about Angelina Ballerina in October. Perfect way to enter the spooky season, I know. Uh, so look out for that, patrons, patreon.com slash Limits. If you want to get in on all the great extra content and our Discord community and more. Otherwise, next time here on Elwood City Limits, we're going to be talking about Fountain Abbey and Arthur Calls It. So we had... We've had Arthur comment on other PBS shows like Masterpiece Theater, and now we've come around to seemingly another PBS show. I, I, I mean, I don't know how much is Downton Abbey is going to be involved in this, so we're going to have to wait and see. But otherwise, Lucas, uh, make sure that you brave this weather as best as you can, and uh, uh, I don't know um, what. To, uh, t- all right, I, I, I guess I, sh- I guess I should ask because I don't know enough about it. What type of character are you playing in Baldur's Gate 3? Oh, I'm playing um, a bard, okay? That makes sense. Um, yep. He's uh, my. Uh, he's based off a wrestling persona my friend had come up with one time where he was like, if I was a wrestler, I'd be Fred Shred. And he would basically, he basically had come <laughs> up with the Rick Boogs gimmick years before Rick Boogs. So I've made Fred Shred in uh, Baldur's Gate 3, but he's Frederick. Frederick Shred, Frederick Shred, uh, and he pl- and he plays a lute as opposed to the guitar. So, um, fun stuff. Well, I'm really enjoying that game. All right. So, so whether you are uh, shredding the lute in Baldur's Gate Three, whether you are getting rid of Las Plagas in Resident Evil Four, or whatever it is you're doing on the way back to school or back to the September season, thanks again for listening to Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. It's been a pleasure serving you. I hereby resign. I am Calypso, and I thank you for listening to Elwood City Limits. <laughs>